Thanks for listening to the Voice Church Podcast. We are a new life-giving multi-ethnic church located in Orange County, California. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Tustin. For more information, check out our social media or our website at www.voice.church. And now, let's tune in to this week's message. Thanks for participating in our 30-second question. Uh, the most relaxing thing I've done in 2024, uh, my first answer, although it doesn't count, was Christmas break as a teacher is heavenly, right? Absolutely. Um, but a couple days ago, we, um, I had a random day off because uh, we took our school up to winter camp. And I was like, yes, a day off, a morning off. And my son forgot something that he needed at school. So I had to get up and get ready and take that to him. And it was raining. But I I ended up in a coffee shop uh, after I dropped that off at school. And I had like an hour to just like drink coffee and like be by myself. Introverts, woo! It was so refreshing and awesome. And coffee is always the right answer. So it was so great. But uh, thanks for doing that. Uh, If I haven't met you yet, my name is Eric. I've been at Voice now for um, about six years crazy, uh, back before the church that was even launched, back before we were voice, uh, doing a couple of different things. Uh, I have the unofficial title as the uh, voice uh, multi-tool, or uh, I've done a little bit of everything, right? From kids and youth to elder, to speaking, to playing music. Uh, man, it's been awesome. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, I'd love to. This is going to be the kind of message uh, this morning that if you're a note taker, there's going to be a lot here for you. If you're not, maybe you want to uh, grab your phone and open up a note uh, there, but a lot of material, and it's going to come pretty quickly. Maybe even plan to kind of go back and re-listen again if this topic is important and, and helpful for you. But let's say a quick prayer. We'll jump right into it. Holy Spirit, we are listening I pray that, uh, Jesus, that your words would direct us into experiencing more freedom. God, we give you, Jesus, we give you permission to confront us with truth, to bother us with wisdom, and to remind us just how much you love us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen. Christians believe that Jesus speaks, that God speaks in at least three different ways. If you haven't heard this before, um, Pastor Taka already mentioned two of them this morning. Well, the first way, and and it's not limited to three, but these are like the three major ways. The first way is uh, through the, uh, the Word of God, through Scripture. This is maybe the most common way. We have more access to the Bible today in our, our culture and our time than ever in human history. And it's one of the, uh, the, the ways that God speaks, I think, the most. The second way is the Holy Spirit, as just directly, whether it's a whisper uh, whether it's uh, loud, whether it's in a time of worship or you're by yourself, uh, quietly, uh, God speaks directly to people through the Holy Spirit. And third is God speaks through other people, maybe even this morning, right? And so the Word of God, which is Scripture, Holy Spirit, and, and other people. And I reflect on my own kind of journey with Christ, and I realize, uh, for better or for worse, as much as I do this or don't do this, it's kind of seasonal, for me, but the closer that I follow the words of Jesus, the closer that I follow, meaning like when I read scripture, not just to learn something new, but to actually put it into practice, you know, when you're like really following closely to the words of Jesus, the more I do that, the stronger in my faith I get. 
Are you like that? Can you relate? The stronger I get, the more freedom I experience. You're going to hear me say that a lot this morning. The more I grow in my faith, and then just straight up, the closer to God I get. The closer I follow, uh, hang on to the words of Jesus. And so I want to ask you this morning, you don't have to answer out loud, how closely are you following the sayings or the words of Jesus this morning? How closely are you uh, reading his teachings with the purpose of obedience, right? Uh, I love this series, the I Have Spoken series. So we're going to continue on this morning, I Have Spoken. And so this is a look at the definitive statements of Jesus. Have you ever had that moment with a parent, a boss, a loved one, whatever, where they say something and it's just, it is what it is. It's kind of final. And that's what we mean. It's this definitive statement. I have spoken. This series for me is about reading the word of God and recognizing its authority, right? The word of God should have more authority to inform our life than uh, TikTok or Twitter or insert your favorite social media. And so I have to be careful with what I allow to influence me. And so this um, series maybe is claiming a little bit more of that uh, space in your life where you're like, yeah, man, this should really direct my day. It should really direct how I talk and how I think and, and act. When, when God says it, when Jesus says it, Christians, are, we're supposed to listen and obey, right? That's our response is to, to, to listen and obey. Now, something you, you probably know is true if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, and if that's not your story yet, heads up, God speaks in truth. He speaks truth to us, but he always speaks that truth in love. And that's my, that's my heart. That's my goal this morning is to speak truth in love. And even if it's a difficult truth, it's meant to confront us, to, to almost risk an offense to us so that we can experience more of God's love, right? It's not just a difficult message uh, for the sake of being difficult. It's, it's meant to um, uh, kind of unlock and free us up to something more. So today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. If you have a Bible, you can open up there. If not, it'll be on the screen. Matthew 6, verse 25, and we're going to start pretty simple. Remember, reading closely to the words of Jesus so that we can do what it says. Here we go, church. Matthew 6, 25, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. We'll stop there. So how do you read this? Because we don't get to listen to Jesus say it, sadly. Do you read this as like a, hey man, don't worry about your life. Or maybe you're like, don't, like, don't worry. Do not, hard declarative statement. How do you read this? And maybe also to ask, how are you doing with this? Psychologytoday.com says that only 91 to 92% of what people claim to worry about never happens. Anxietycenter.com says three out of 10 in uh, people in North America, three out of 10 youth and adults will have an anxiety disorder in their lifetime. And at first read, right, we see Jesus say, therefore I tell you, do not worry. At first read, it sounds like almost far-fetched. Like, okay, nice, that's, 
it's nice to be the son of God and kind of know things and, and, and know the, maybe the end of the story, but life is tough. Jesus is complicated, right? Things change all the time. Jesus says, do not worry. And uh, church, I, I struggle with this one. Are you in the same boat? Are you with me on that? Because I don't read this as a suggestion, this is prose discourse. It's, 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 a, um, it's a way that people speak in Scripture um, that kind of means it's, it's, it's a command. It's an expectation. Uh, lately, uh, lately, church, I'm be honest with you, I'm feeling pretty old. I know you guys don't, don't, you can't tell, but I turned 40 this last year. You can't tell, right, church, right? You can't tell. Thank you, thank you. A couple of years ago, I went, uh, I went to the physical therapist because I had some back pain and, and I was doing a lot of running. And so, you know, I was like, man, this is, I, those of you who are like me, you know, when pain happens, I don't immediately go see somebody. What do we do? Ignore it, right? We stretch a little bit more or something. So anyway, I come to the end. I just can't take it anymore. Back pain is killing me. So I go to physical therapy and I'm like, doctor, the, the pain is right here. Okay, it's right here. He's like, okay. So he starts asking questions. So um, first he wants to know uh, how my shoulders are doing, okay? And then he's, he's like, oh, well, let's do a quick test and see how tight your calves are. And I'm like, okay, that's cute. It hurts right here, <laughs> okay? Like, let's not, we'll put all that stuff off to the end. I'm in pain. He's like, okay. And then next round of questions. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's do a quick check and see how strong your abs are, your glutes or these surrounding muscles. And I'm like, okay, doctor, I don't know if you heard me the first time, like I'm paying for the meeting. It hurts right here. It hurts right here. I can show you exactly where it hurts. And he goes, keeps going. Well, this goes back and forth. The next thing is like, well, how flexible are your hips and your hamstrings? And I'm, I'm like, bro. Um, and he goes on to say, that physical therapy, the idea is with this specific pain, the problem is hardly ever where the actual pain is, right? So he goes on to educate me that the actual problem isn't in the spot that it hurts. The, the pain, that spot is a symptom of a lot of other things that are off, right? It's like the system is out. And um, so that pain is an indicator that we need to kind of go down the checklist and check all these other things. You can't just focus on the thing that hurts if you want to get rid of the pain. And so uh, he was right, and I absolutely got free of that thing, and you know, kind of move forward. What if worry works in a similar way? What if, what if worry is a symptom that you believe some things that are not true today? So in a spirit of speaking truth in love, let me say a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to uh, read some words of Jesus today. Um, quick disclaimer, I'm not speaking about clinical anxiety today. Um, I'm going to be pretty intentional to use the word worry to kind of avoid confusing clinical anxiety with what I'm going to talk about today, which is like common worry, okay, common worry. So that'll be our focus. All right, Matthew 6, let's read the words of Jesus. Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Jesus says, that is why, and we'll come back to the context, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. 
And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You're gonna hear me ask this three times. First time, what is the argument against worry in this passage? What is the reason Jesus says that we don't have to worry? Anybody catch it? Starts with a V. Jesus says, you don't have to worry because you are valuable. You are valuable. If there's any lie that I could like scream against and fight against and scream at, right? It's this, this is the thing. If there's any truth that we need to hear it today, it's that you are incredibly valuable. See, when you declare, when you recognize that Jesus is God, it means that he gets to decide what's valuable. And if the world doesn't agree, it doesn't matter. His voice is the one that matters. See, in this passage, I love this, Jesus has this I have spoken, like declarative statement where he says that you have intrinsic value. You were born with it. You don't earn it over time. It's not a bank account that grows with interest. It's you just because of who you are. Jesus takes this value statement all the way through to the end by dying for you to have a relationship with him. So maybe today, and these are some things that maybe are a little confrontational, you wanna take a hard uh, look inside and confess that. Maybe you believe today that I worry because I believe I'm not valuable to God. Maybe that's one of the, the things that are stuck in there that produces worry. It's one of the things that we need to correct if worry is the symptom. I love verse 27. <clears throat> he asks a couple of rhetorical questions here. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Right? Rhetorical question. So like the people listening are supposed to know, they, like we all know that the answer to this is obvious. So church, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No. And so maybe the belief that we need to speak some truth into this morning is this second one is I worry because I believe it helps. Anybody there? The same chemical that produces adrenaline and energy also produces stress. Are you the type of person that when something happens and you know you're, you're worrying about it, it almost feels right to worry about it because at least I'm doing something about it. I'm worrying about it. <clears throat> I worry because I believe it helps. So what do you, when you are worrying about something, what are you focusing on in that moment? Anybody ride motor <clears throat> motorcycles in here? Anybody? Uh, has anybody, uh, none of, just me. Okay, so I've done the, uh, the California, any e-bike e riders in here? E like one. <laughs> okay, so Nat, when, uh, when we ride, okay, I'll uh, educate you guys a little bit. Uh, I took the California motorcycle safety course years and years ago. But one of the things that you learn uh, on a motorcycle is that where, wherever you look, you go. Super simple principle. But it's actually something you have to train for. So if you're uh, flying down the freeway, 65 miles an hour, and there's a hazard in the road, you are trained to not look at the hazard. Why? Because you go where you look. Uh, fighter pilots are trained the same way. You always want to point your vision where you want to go. 
So if you focus on the problem, that's where you head. More often than not, you hit the hazard if you are focused on it. So the idea here I think is true in life is that we are supposed to not focus on the problem. So what are we focusing on when we worry? (laughs) Don't focus on worry. Don't focus on problems. Don't focus on self. So what what do we do? So then what's the answer? I think it's pretty simple to say, not always simple to do. Well, what can I do instead of worrying? is worship. Choose to worship. Get your focus on him instead of yourself. Put worship music on. Put social media down. Practice contentment. Sign up to serve in kids' men or another ministry. Write 10 things you're grateful for. for. Call someone and pray for them. Worship. Take a walk. I know as a teacher, And those of you who uh, work with kids, you know this too. If there's a hallway and you don't want kids to run, okay, does, do you put up a sign that says don't run? No, because the word run is there. They don't care about the word don't, right? They just, you focus them on run. So now like, hey, I didn't think about running. I'm going to run, right? So instead, you don't say don't run. What do you say? Walk, right? So if worry is over here, it's not focus on worry and don't worry because that doesn't make sense. It's turn your back on worry and worship, right? Move in the opposite spirit. Move in a different direction. So church, I'm going to put this on the screen. I'm asking you just to repeat after me. Do we have it? It says, I don't have to worry. Here we go. One, two, three. I don't have to worry because I am valuable to God. All right. Let's go to the next one. The context of this teaching on worry in Matthew is finances, okay? This was written, this was said 2,000 years ago. Not much has changed. Jesus really knows his audience, okay? So we'll back up a little bit uh, earlier in Matthew 6. Before he talks about worry, he talks about money. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the point. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's actually not a thing about money at all. It's about heart. And then he says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The primary audience in the Sermon on the Mount uh, from Matthew, what we're reading today, is um, people teetering on the edge of poverty. He was out in the kind of the the suburbs, the hills. Uh, People didn't have a lot out there. They were worried about food today. They were worried about providing for children tomorrow. They were feeling pressured and feeling ashamed because they weren't the best dressed. People knew their social status by just looking at them. He's saying first about money, set aside the desire to serve the lowercase g, God of money, to set aside the desire to serve the God of self-reliance, the God of whatever else, and instead prioritize him first. It's not an excuse to be lazy. Scripture is pretty clear. We are to work hard and have rest and all that. It's a different sermon. But then he says, right, first prioritize who comes first. And then he talks about worry. We'll continue on verses 28, 29, and 30. He says, and why worry about your clothing? 
Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Second time, what is the argument against worry in this passage? Well, I think it's that he promises to care for us. You're valuable and God has promised to care for you. There's this subtle challenge, I think, running throughout all of the scripture. I believe Jesus is saying that you have to release control of the details that are out of your control. Any other control freaks? See, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, What's the last fruit of the Spirit in that list? Self-control. I think we are supposed to have control over self. But there's a lot to our world that we were not created to have control over. Circumstances, right? Other people, freeways, (laughs) all of those things that we want control over. So maybe the lie that you need to confront is this. I worry because I want to be in control. See, this is the message that I need to preach myself two or three times a year, because sometimes I think that I would do a better job at running the universe. Anybody else? Maybe not the universe, but just my universe, right? But freedom is not found in control. Freedom is found in faith, which Jesus is about to talk about. We'll get there in a sec. But before we get there, what's the thing you find difficult to release into God's care? Don't say it out loud. Think about it. What's the thing that you find difficult? Is it finances? Is it image? Is it relationships, health, identity? Identify that thing. And then let's read another rhetorical question. Verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? What's another word for faith? Starts with a T, trust. So maybe this is your thing today. I worry because I don't trust God with this. Maybe you're like me, and it's like, you can have all that stuff. But this, uh, it's tough. It's tough. See, God promises, the answer to that is God promises to care for us. Not to give us everything we want, but to supply our needs. First Thessalonians. Every parent knows that that's good parenting. You don't give, them, give our kids everything they want, but we give them everything they need. Parents, does it bless you if your kids are worrying about stuff that you've promised to provide? So what do I do instead of worrying? Number one, choose to worship. And number two is pray for my needs. Get active and do something about it. For those of you who are like me, just please don't tell me to sit still. Please. What can I do about it? Well, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, you may have heard this already. Paul writes, do not be anxious or do not worry about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And I love this. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Dictionary.com defines worry as to torment oneself with disturbing thoughts. The peace of God is defined as, in English anyway, as tranquility, calm waters. In Hebrew, this word means every kind of good thing or blessing. It transcends all understanding, which means, hey, things aren't perfect, and maybe it feels like the world is just falling down around us, and I am experiencing peace. What? Well, yeah, it transcends understanding. Now, I really want you to hear this part. For the believer, the peace of God is an evidence of the presence of God. The peace of God is an evidence of the presence of God, and peace is proof that you are not alone, that you are not on your own, that you are seen, heard, loved, and redeemed. Now, this last one is probably the most difficult, so hang with me. Jesus says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows before you ask. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, just in case we missed it, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Third and last time, what's the argument against worry in this final passage? It's tough. Well, it's found in this word pagan. For the pagan runs after all these things. Church, what's a pagan? In those days, it just meant somebody who doesn't believe in God. Doesn't trust him. See, sometimes worry can be an evidence that faith is lacking. So let me shock us with some statements, and these are all on me. This is not a voice thing. This is a Pastor Eric thing. Number, these two, number one and two. Worry, I believe, is temporary atheism. You have to suspend your belief or your trust in one or two or all of these things for worry to make sense. You're convinced I'm on my own, or I'm better at this than God, or he hasn't valued me, all the things we talked about. I think you have to suspend some of that belief for worry to be a legitimate option, right? And then secondly, I think a worrying Christian is just an oxymoron. It just, I mean, we're supposed to be different, do things different. See, I think that uh, those of us who deal with worry also deal with... Um, control, wanting it, right? And so releasing control over key things in life is tough, and I, I'm there with you. Now, I also want to say, and this is on me, <laughs> is that I don't, think, I don't think worry is a sin, right? I, I actually don't think worry is a sin. I just think it's unnecessary. I don't believe that worry is a sin, because if worry is a sin, then we would worry about worrying, right? And just, just caught in a loop. 
uh, I, I don't believe that worry is a sin, but I think worshiping other gods is. It's God of self-reliance, God of self-control, you know, control, whatever. The God of image, selfishness. I think that worry can lead us down the pathway to sin. But mainly, just like my back pain, I think, I think it's an indicator of a problem, of a problem in our relationship with God. And the good news is um, that God has an answer. And all we have to do is choose to receive this. So here's what, here's what Jesus says. And I'll kind of start wrapping up with this. He says, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first, first his kingdom, not my kingdom, not building up a kingdom that I try to establish because I don't need God, but his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. His kingdom and his righteousness includes you right? We get to share in that. We are co-inheritors. So his kingdom and his righteousness includes us and our needs and our families and our future. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I think it's great advice to just take things one day at a time. Would you agree with that? Most of the time, what I worry about is future, (laughs) And if you have a reason to trust God today, then we have a reason to trust God tomorrow because our definition of God says he's already there. He's already there. And so, um, so all that leads into uh, this announcement. Uh, we've been here at Voice for six years. We, we helped start the church. We felt called. And I'm so proud. Through our obedience and our investment, time, treasure, and talent, and I've learned so much, he's helped us play a small part of um, building voice into what it is today. We're so proud of that. Um, And in the context of wanting to be in control (laughs) and needing to trust God more, uh, we're we're announcing today that this, we're going to be transitioning out of voice this month. Let me tell you why. Um, After three years of living in Tustin, first three years of the church, uh, God opened a door for a great job um, for me to be out in Corona, which is um, uh, a bit of a drive out that way. And so we moved out there. But when we moved, we were like very sure that like, just because you moved doesn't mean your call changes like to a church. So we just didn't assume that um, God wanted us to, to stop being a part of voice. So we just kept on. And while we waited or whatever, we just kept investing. We just kept showing up. And it's been amazing. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, some things changed um, in our family and, and uh, you know, some things came up and um, that kind of got our head up. Like maybe something, maybe God's up to something. Maybe you've been in a moment like that. And we don't really fully understand it, uh, but he's asking us to kind of search for what is the next season, what's, what is to, to come in the next season. And let me tell you, church, uh, it's weird because I'm not worried about it not worried about it. Um, I have a lot of questions and I don't fully understand it. Let me tell you right now, I don't, you may ask me a question and I'll say, I don't know, but we're going to trust God with it. So uh, we'll talk more about details. Uh, and I really don't want that to take away from anything that um, else that we've said today. Um, so worship team, come on up and we'll, we'll kind of close with this. Come on up worship team, if you can hear me. All right. So today Today isn't about feeling guilty because we worry, right? Worrying about worrying. Today's not 
about feeling guilty because we worry. Um, I think worry is also uh, a sign that we care a lot about things, right? Today is about setting aside worry and choosing to worship. It's there, and we gotta, just like the idea of the don't run sign, it's there, worry's there, and you gotta kinda turn your back on it and give your, your focus, give your attention to Jesus. It's about bringing our needs to God. He already knows that you need them. So then what's the point of asking? Relationship. He wants to talk to you about it. He wants to hear it. He wants to provide for you so you know it's him. It's about trusting him with those things. And I think above all of that, what I would hope for you uh, today, because I think it's possible today, is to experience God's peace today, like right now, to let that stuff go. It's within your power to just let it go, to experience God's peace and freedom, knowing and experiencing that we are not alone. We're not on our own, that he is with us. He promises to be with us. So if we could all stand and let's say a prayer and then let's sing, sing a little bit as we respond to God. Lord, thank you so much for uh, just a wonderful, challenging week of sermon prep leading up to this. Uh, I've experienced so much freedom. Uh, I've experienced a lot of hard truth too, but that's what love feels like sometimes. And I pray God that uh, through transitions and through um, you know, asking you questions and not understanding every detail, Lord, we can absolutely be certain of a few things that you value us, God, that you promise to care for us. You promise to be with us all the time. God, challenge us to believe more, to lean into that more, to give you more and more of our life, to trust you more. Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to all of us and help us feel your peace. Help us feel your presence. In Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message at Voice Church. We hope it inspired you to live a life more faithfully for Jesus and to be a voice of hope for your community. We'd love for you to join us in person on a Sunday. And until then, we hope you have a beautiful week.